Man, all these so-called sports experts and these fake tough guys and these old geezer NBA players who ain't played since the 1970s crapping all over the Warriors need to shut the hell up. Let's just keep it real. You wouldn't have done a thing to any of those boys, and by the time you get out on Steph Curry, he already would have put your ass on a poster. Check it out. This is JSC Radio. Curry's going to take it. Man, oh man. Can't go under. And they got Can't burned. Can't go under. That's got the communication it. part. Now Anthony Davis. And he walked away from him. He can't give him any space. Don't relax. So Luke Babbitt. That'll do it. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. Hey now. How's it going? My name is J. Scott Smith, and this is JSC Radio, episode number seven. Hey, I'm getting closer to the first milestone, making it to 10 episodes, so there's definitely that. How's everyone doing this week? I appreciate everybody who's subscribed to this show and is listening to it right now on iTunes. That's right. If you subscribe to JSC Radio on iTunes, you didn't have to do anything else. I just suddenly showed up in your podcast list. You know, kind of like a kind of like an uninvited guest. I just kind of pop up whenever I see fit. But yes, those of you who subscribed on iTunes, thank you. Damn it, thank you. Every week the show's numbers get a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better as finally starting to kind of feel myself and get into the groove a little bit doing this thing so i appreciate everybody who listens on itunes of course everybody who's listening on the stitcher radio app as well because remember stitcher is here for those of you who either you may not have an iphone you might not have an ipad it's for those of you got androids you might be listening right online on your computer remember the stitcher app updates too so yes you can hear this show on stitcher you can hear this show on itunes you can check it out on soundcloud at soundcloud.com slash j scott smith and of course don't forget to support the blog jscottsmith.wordpress.com and hopefully very soon a new website will be coming and when i get all the shilling out of the ways we can get rolling on this thing this show is also powered by amazon just be sure to click on the link right under the player on j scott confidential and you can get whatever you want from amazon but just remember click that link because it helps support the show so yeah how's it going been kind of an interesting week the last seven days or so was as you could tell from the start of this show you already know what we're going to be talking about both the NBA and NHL playoffs the Stanley Cup playoffs are about to get underway this evening taping this on Wednesday so you're likely going to either hear this Wednesday night or Thursday the NBA playoffs get underway this weekend And yes, there's that little minor detail of a pretty big Wednesday evening in the association. The final night of the regular season sees the end of one era and potentially the breaking of a record that people thought was just going to be unbreakable. Now, obviously, the end of the era I'm referring to is Kobe Bryant. And I'll get to Kobe a little bit later on in the show. But first things first, it's the Golden State Warriors. What's there not to say 
about this team? What's left to say about them that hasn't already been said? The Golden State Warriors are out of this world. There is no way that you could have told me just two years ago that this team would be sitting with one game to go tied with the 1996 Chicago Bulls for the most wins in one NBA season. They're 72 and 9. Let me say that again for you. 72 wins, 9 defeats. That is absurd. I mean, just saying that. I mean, saying 72 and 10 for the last 20 years is pretty friggin' ridiculous. 72 and 9 with a chance to finish a regular season in the NBA without double digit losses. And you play 82 games. How how in the blue hell do you do this? Well, there's a simple answer to it, and his name is Wardell Stephen Curry Jr. But it's not just him. It's that entire team. The Golden State Warriors are this monster of a team that come in, you've got Curry, you've got Draymond Green, yes indeed, Michigan State Spartan, what up though Saginaw? Here come the Spartans! You've got Harrison Barnes, you got Andre Iguodala who has finally found a team that really brings out all the talent that he's had all these years. They've been able to make uh, make something out of Andrew Bogut who misses like one out of every five games. You got Festus Azalea. You even have, you go up and down that roster. You wouldn't, I mean, they're a very good team. And the, here's the thing you tend to forget. They set this wins record. They came into this season pissed off with the proverbial chip on their shoulders. When you go back to 1996, the Bulls are coming off losing in the second round, getting beat by Orlando, Shaq's best Orlando team that eventually went on to lose in the NBA Finals. Hi, Nick Anderson. The Bulls are coming off essentially playing two-thirds of a season without Michael Jordan, who was on his little baseball sabbatical. And then they came out and just ran through the NBA like a blowtorch. They racked up 72 wins, cruised with ease to the NBA title. And then they turned around and chased the 72-win season by nearly winning 70 the following year. They won 69 in 1997. So that is absolutely amazing. Here's the thing, though. The Warriors, if you just go back a few months ago, came into the NBA season pissed. They had to spend all last year being told by the likes of Charles Barkley and all these old geezers, a lot of which who never actually won a championship, that a team like them, a quote-unquote jump-shooting team, could not win an NBA title. The thing is, the Warriors weren't just simply a jump-shooting team. Those weren't the Don Nelson Warriors of the mid-2000s where all they did was jack up a bunch of threes and play zero defense. That's a very good defensive team. It's a very good rebounding team. And when necessary, they could go inside and do work. Steph Curry isn't just simply out there going bombs away from 28, 30, 40 feet away. Mind you, when he does, he hits those types of long-distance shots with the type of regularity that most people who, who shoot from 15 feet and in are making their shots. They were out there earning it. They won 67 games, only one series in the entire playoffs where they really even tested, and that was the NBA Finals. They strolled through the playoffs, but all they heard was, well, you got lucky. That came from Doc Rivers, the head coach of the Los Angeles Clippers, who had the nerve to call the Golden State Warriors lucky for not having to face them. Well, Doc, as people might want to remind you here, well, Doc, your team had the opportunity to face the Golden State Warriors last year in the conference finals. You know, 
except you blew a 20-point lead at home in a closeout game against the Houston Rockets in the second round of the playoffs. Don't like to bring that part of it up. The Warriors, quote-unquote, got lucky they didn't have to face San Antonio. You got to deal with all the old geezers talking about they're just a jump-shooting team, a one-trick pony, a one-hit wonder that won 67 games. Let me say that again. 67 games. Are you kidding me? 67 wins? The best season my Pistons ever had was 64, and they did it once. That was a 2006. I'm going to go to my record book right now just to make sure we get this correct. The Golden State Warriors are actually one of 11 teams to win at least 67 games in a season. 11 teams have won at least 67 in a season. These particular Warriors have done it twice. They won 67 games last year and have chased it with at least 72. You know how difficult it is to go back-to-back 60-win seasons? They go back-to-back 67. They go 67 and 72. But the way people talked about those Warriors last year, you thought they were some 52-53 win team that caught a bunch of breaks, backed into the finals, and barely won. Perhaps the reason that they won was because they were that damn good. So they come out this year and figure, all right, let's just do it again. They go 67 to 72, 67 and win a championship. And they came out more focused and more angry than some teams who have never won anything. Clippers, they came out with the rabid, angry focus that the San Antonio Spurs had when they won the NBA title two years ago, when they came within a, an eyelash, a Ray Allen shot of a lifetime of beating the Miami Heat two years ago, three years ago now. The Warriors are insane. And as you head into these playoffs, who the hell is beating this team? Like, seriously, who's beating the Golden State Warriors? I've said it over and over again. There's only one team in the NBA that I think could push them to seven games. There's only one team I think that could take them to seven, and that's the San Antonio Spurs. Because low-key, the Spurs have had one of the all-time great seasons. They've just been overshadowed by a team that's from friggin' Mars. It's that, that's where that is. There's not a team in the Eastern Conference that can get more than two wins off the Golden State Warriors. Not one. Sorry, Cleveland, not you. Toronto, yeah, right. Boston, Miami, Atlanta, come on, dog. That ain't happening. I'm not even going to acknowledge the 6, 7, and 8 seeds in the East. No. Sorry, Piston fans. I don't believe they have a shot. I'll get to them in a second, too. But no. Nope. There ain't a team in the East that can beat the Golden State Warriors. And look up now in the West. I feel bad for whichever poor team ends up getting that 8th spot in the West because they're going to get made a mess out of in that first round. Last year was the New Orleans Pelicans. This year, it's either going to be Rockets, who've already seen that movie once, the Dallas Mavericks, or the Utah Jazz, who have not like seen the light of day of the playoffs in a minute. Great. Welcome back. You get the 72 or potentially 73 win Golden State Warriors with that space alien Steph Curry waiting on you, and you got to play the first two games in Oakland. Good luck, fellas. Have fun. So who in the West could push them? Who? Help me out here. Oklahoma City? Maybe. I'll listen to Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City could at least push them to six games. They could. As good as Oklahoma City is, Russell Westbrook is the angriest man on the planet. Kevin Durant is a close sec. I totally get that. But we've seen what that movie looks like in a tight game late between Oklahoma City and Golden State. It didn't end well for the Thunder. Rebound taken by Iguodala. 
They do have a timeout. Decide not to use it. Curry, way downtown. Bang! Bang! Oh, what a shot from Curry! With six tenths of a second remaining! The brilliant shooting of Stephen Curry continues! And that was just a case of Steph acting like a total alien, a freak show. I'll listen to Oklahoma City. Well, what about the Clippers? What about the Clippers? If there's any one team that has the Golden State Warriors owning more property in their head, it's the Los Angeles Clippers. The Los Angeles Clippers, who are one of the main faces on that billboard. They're one of the main faces on that Summer Jam screen for having run their mouth about them during the offseason. Doc Rivers calling them lucky to win a championship has turned the Clippers into a pegboard for the Warriors. You really want me to believe that that team, which caved in under the pressure of a mediocre rocket squad last year and is mentally fragile, a team that is just getting back Blake, let me beat up the trainer outside of a restaurant, Griffin, is going to suddenly take the Golden State Warriors to seven games and possibly beat them, knowing that that seventh game is in Oakland where they just don't win. Okay, I'm going to believe in the Clippers. Not really. Who else is there? Memphis, maybe? No, not really. Who else is down that list? Exactly my point. The only team in the West and the only team in the NBA that I firmly believe can beat the Golden State Warriors in a seven-game series, or at least take it to seven, at least force the Warriors to have to play that pivotal game at home. Play that pivotal game five with a series tied 2-2 at home would be the San Antonio Spurs because the Spurs are just as big a group of aliens as the Warriors are. And in any other season, they would be the hands-down favorite to win the whole damn thing. So I could completely see San Antonio pushing them to seven. But that's it. If there are any way where we could just fast forward through the first two rounds and just get to the Western Conference Finals and give me six or seven games of the Golden State Warriors and San Antonio Spurs, I think we will all be happy. I think everybody will appreciate that, you know, unless you're in Los Angeles or you're in Houston or you're in Oklahoma City. Then you probably won't appreciate it too much, but really, we don't give a damn about you. I'm talking about the Warriors and the Spurs. But we got to wait a few weeks for that. They got to go through the process of taking down everybody else in front of them. Because the only way they get Oklahoma City would be in the conference final. Clippers and Warriors could happen in round two, and that could be very, very fun to watch, even though it probably won't last past five games. And yes, let me step over to the East just for one quick second here. Congratulations are in order to the Detroit Pistons. Yeah, what up, Detroit? Who have spent the better part of the last seven years living in the basketball wasteland. That, that I mean, when I say basketball wasteland, they were living in a part of the basketball wasteland that's only reserved for the Philadelphia 76ers. It, it's been terrible. So for that team, Stan Van Gundy's done a hell of a job with that team, considering that that's probably, that team has maybe fifth or sixth seed talent, I would say ninth or tenth place consistency he's able to get that team to the playoffs maybe a year sooner than i thought he would and they've done a pretty good job congratulations you get the cleveland cavaliers in round one just don't get swept coming up after this quick break going to talk about kobe bryant who's hanging him up officially after 20 amazing seasons in los angeles but i'm just gonna have a passing thought here on another long lengthy streak and that is the streak of the detroit red wings who thanks to a creative loss by the boston bruins last saturday will make the stanley cup playoffs 
for the 25th consecutive season. The last time the Detroit Red Wings were not involved in the Stanley Cup playoffs was a year before the first Gulf War, 1990, when Chub Rock jumped upon the scene. Yes, and ever since then, the Red Wings in some form or fashion have been in the playoffs, whether they've gone out quickly in the first round or whether they've won one of the four Stanley Cups that they've managed to pick up in the last 20 years. The Detroit Red Wings back in the playoffs. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Are they the best team? No. Do they have a legit shot at really winning a Stanley Cup? No. But do I need to hear people in Detroit pissing and moaning about them making the playoffs, barely getting in? No. Shut up. So what? They barely got in. And yes, there's a pretty damn good chance they're going to lose this first round series to Tampa. But I don't care. I'd rather they make the playoffs. If you're going to, because the NHL is different from the NBA. And this is what people don't seem to understand. The NHL, it is not uncommon. In fact, it has happened twice in this decade that a team barely gets in on the last day. They look like crap most of the season and then something just happens and they tear through the playoffs like a damn tornado. Ask the Los Angeles Kings who backed into a playoff spot, legit backed into a playoff spot and then stormed to a Stanley Cup. The NHL does this all the time. In the last 10 years, there have been three different eighth seeds to get to the Stanley Cup Finals. The Edmonton Oilers did it, the Los Angeles Kings did it, and, and the Kings won the damn thing getting there, okay? They won the damn thing getting there. So yeah, do I think the Red Wings are gonna go some crazy run and win a Stanley Cup? No, not really, but here's the thing. I'd rather take my chances of getting into the Stanley Cup playoffs and just seeing what happens than saying, oh, let's not make the playoffs so we can rebuild. Trust me, you don't want that. Everybody who says we want to rebuild and restock so we can make a bigger run. Yeah, ask the Philadelphia 76ers how that works. Ask the Detroit Lions how that goes. I don't think you want to do that. It's a be careful what you wish for situation. Congratulations to the Red Wings. Now do something when you get to the playoffs. And for God's sake, if you get up 3-1 or 3-2 in a series, close the damn thing. Talking Kobe, plus I get a little parting shot in on somebody that a whole lot of y'all love, but honestly, I just can't stand him. What are we talking about? This is JSC Radio. We'll be back. Check it out. This is JSC Radio. Hey now, it's Jay Scott Smith here, the host of JSC Radio. And I want to personally take a second to thank you for taking out your time to listen to this show. But one other thing I would love for you to do while you're here is to take a little extra time and click on that Amazon link below the player. See, when you click on that Amazon link below the player, anything you purchase, and you don't have to purchase anything right now, but just bookmark it, save it to your favorites. And the next time you go on Amazon to purchase whatever it is, whether it's, I don't know, computer equipment or music, or you could be trying to buy a watch or buy a suitcase or buy a new microphone in case you want to start podcasting. Whenever you want to do that, click on the Amazon link, go buy whatever you want, and whenever you purchase something on Amazon, a little bit of it gets chipped off to help JSC Radio keep rocking, keep rolling, and keep growing. So again, click on that little Amazon link right beneath the player. You'll see it. It's highlighted right beneath the player. Save it to your bookmarks. You ain't got to buy nothing right now, but the next time you want to jump on Amazon, Put your Amazon Prime to use. And also, it will definitely work if you want to download music and download Amazon Video too. A little bit of money gets shipped off to JSC Radio to help keep us moving. Really appreciate it. So, show some love, get on Amazon, and click the link.
<laughs> hey now, it's Jay Scott Smith here, the host of JSC Radio, which you can now hear on Stitcher Radio. That's right, Stitcher is radio on demand. Now you can download the free app today and it's available on iOS, Android, as well as Nook and Kindle Fire. You can take JSC Radio anywhere. The app is free. You can listen anytime, anywhere. Now, if you're wondering what Stitcher is, Stitcher is an award-winning free app that lets you listen to all of your favorite shows, plus discover 40,000 news, entertainment, and sports shows, such as JSC Radio. You can create custom playlists. You can rate and review this show and others on Stitcher. Please drop a friendly review on the show. Not only is Stitcher available on all smartphones and tablets, it's also in over 4 million car dashboards. It's on demand and on the go. No downloading, no syncing, no wasted memory on any of your devices. You can stream your favorite podcasts, like JSC Radio, for free on Stitcher. If you don't have the Stitcher app, simple. Go to Stitcher.com today or check out the App Store on whichever device you use. Stitcher Radio. Be sure to check it out. This is JSC Radio. Curry. Oh! Counted and the foul! Got the ball. Russ Smith. Good effort. Banked into Curry again. And he banked it in! Banked into three looking for a foul. Withstanding everything that Memphis can bring. Curry knocking it away. Steph Curry to beat the buzzer. Good! Another three! You're going to have to give him that once in a while. Steph Curry, another three! Steph's going to make it play at the the other end. Curry wins 20 in the third. North Carolina. Curry again. Five in the quarter, the last 21 points. A three. You couldn't script it any better. And we're back. This is JSC Radio right here on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and on SoundCloud. Again, I'm J. Scott Smith. Welcome back. How's everything going here on episode seven, numero siete of JSC Radio? And I wanted to also kind of clear up, I mentioned in that first segment, before I get off into the Kobe talk and everything here, that first segment that I talked about the Golden State Warriors, how could I have possibly forgotten to mention the other half of the so-called Splash Brothers? I've always hated that name. The other half of the Splash Brothers, Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson is in the unfortunate position that a guy like Russell Westbrook is in, that he happens to exist in an NBA at the same time as the super freak, Steph Curry, except worse, he's his teammate. No, I mean, it's good for him. He makes a hell of a lot of money. He's going to get another championship ring out of this. But that dude, unfortunately, has to play the role of Luigi to his Mario. Despite the fact that this cat is just as ridiculous a shooter as Steph is. Because you got to remember, Steph had a game where he hit 11 triples against Oklahoma City. He had three different games this year where he hit 10. And he tied the NBA record for most threes in a game. A record that is shared by one Clay Thompson. So how could I possibly be remiss and forget? I was totally off forgetting Clay Thompson. What the hell's wrong with me? How did I forget Clay Thompson? So yes, that team is absurd. Draymond Green is the glue of that team. Again, Spartans will. He's the glue of that friggin' team, but Clay Thompson is the sniper. He would be the sniper if the point guard weren't a ridiculous marksman himself. So yeah, and also one other thing, how ridiculous are the Golden State Warriors? I looked up how many records they broke this year, and the one record that really jumps out to me is that they have the best record after X amount of games, and it goes down the list of 
each one who had the best record after five games, 10 games, 15 games, 20 games. You have to get to 41 games before the 2016 Golden State Warriors are not on that list. That is out of this world. So as much as I respect Oscar Robertson, as much as I respect Scottie Pippen and Charles Barkley and God, Isaiah, why would you say something to as much as I respect you guys, as much as I live in fear that Steven Jackson will come and find me and punch me in the face like he did that dude at the palace for saying that idiocy that his warrior team could beat the current warriors, your warrior team could barely, they could, you could barely make the playoffs that year. Stop it. All of you guys, kill the noise, cut the BS. Give the Golden State Warriors their due because later on tonight, they could damn sure just take it and become the all-time single-season winner. And that's just out of this world. I mean, it's always inevitable. The one guy who's always undefeated is Father Time. And Father Time finally came to catch up to the Black Mamba. Number 24 or number 8, depending on which one you prefer, Kobe Bryant of the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, I had the I had the pleasure of covering Kobe's last game here in Philadelphia back in December. And it was a sight to behold, for sure, because it was one of the rare games the Sixers won. Oh my god, is that team awful. They're like the inverse Golden State Warriors. They're 10 and 71, about to be 10 and 72. They were essentially one win away from tying their own all-time record for crappiness. But one of those wins came against the Lakers. Which, strangely, the Lakers got one of the nine wins or nine losses, I guess, pinned on the Warriors. It's all cyclical, ladies and gentlemen. And Kobe has been on this farewell tour. And yeah, the Lakers are trash. They're, t- it's t- they're total garbage. Worst Laker team of all time. That's not the way anybody predicted that Kobe Bryant would go out. On a Laker team that was listless and selfish and their rookie point guard is a snitch... All of this is just, you didn't expect that to be the way he went out, but it is. But Kobe shuts the door on a career that I will say he goes down as one of the 10 best players in the history of the game. I brought up earlier like the amount of disdain and and pissing and moaning and bitching and cheap shots that are taken at the Golden State Warriors for winning now. That doesn't factor into the amount of crap that Kobe Bryant has taken in his career. And yes, a lot of it he brought upon himself. And he freely admits it to anybody who'll listen. He said it in interviews that he's an asshole. That's nothing new. I'm not insulting the man by using that term. It's a term he used himself, and he kind of almost thinks of it as a term of endearment for him. Kobe Bryant, since the day he came into this league, back 20 years ago when I was a senior in high school, he was the next big thing. But he was such a polarizing guy because of his attitude, because of his upbringing, the way he carried himself. He jumped from high school to the NBA, and he came in, he lands on this Laker team after the Charlotte Hornets, for whatever reason, traded him, which to this day, the city of Charlotte still has to be wondering how the hell Kobe Bryant didn't end up in Hornet gear. He gets to LA, he ends up getting paired up with Shaquille O'Neal, who had just jumped ship on Orlando. He gets to... He gets to the Lakers, they get a hold of Phil Jackson, and then they just start ripping off rings at the early part of the 2000s, the early part of the 21st century, going on a three-peat. Kobe Bryant, who mimicked his game after Michael Jordan, a guy who was a cutthroat, selfish, arrogant, obnoxious dude. By all accounts, the dude's a dick. But the thing is, he has a killer instinct. He wants it to win. 
Winning was all he knew. And if it meant pissing everybody off on his own team, if it meant pissing off Shaquille O'Neal, he was going to do it. And yes, do I think everything Kobe Bryant did in his career was great? Hell no, I don't. He could run a little too hot. Yeah, he was a bit of a destructive force. Once that team kind of went left after the Pistons beat him in 2004, yeah, he played a role in that. And I'm not even going to attempt to try to defend, unlike some of you people, I'm not going to sit here and try to defend whatever the hell happened in Denver, Colorado at the end of the 2003 season going into 04. No way I'm defending that. He brought that upon himself and ruined his family and for a time ruined his reputation. The guy got it back, but he he really crapped the bed on that one. And yeah, he wasn't the easiest guy to deal with. Yeah, he was a crappy teammate, but the dude is also a five-time champion. And he's, I mean, when I say it, there was a point in time in this league where Kobe was must-see TV. I even think back to as recently as 2013 when you had the failed Dwight Howard-Steve Nash experiment in L.A. And that season went into the crapper instantly. Mike Brown is fired before he even has a chance to get his feet wet on his second season in L.A. The whole thing just went to, just went to hell in a handbasket. And the Lakers had found their way on the outside looking in. And Kobe literally threw that team on his back and willed them into that eighth spot only to blow his Achilles against the Golden State Warriors right before they could clinch the playoff spot. And then it was just elementary at that point because then next thing you know, you're into the playoffs. There's San Antonio waiting on you. Goodbye. And that was the last time the Lakers were worth a damn. But Kobe's run, his first run with Shaq, in the late 90s all the way to 2004. The dude was an animal. He was Jordan-like. And that's what got me. Kobe had a lot of guys who just, you know Kobe was so good and people hated him so much, and this is prior to 2004. People hated Kobe so much, they would not give an inch on his ability or they would begrudgingly acknowledge his ability. When that dude went out and scored 81 points, and I still remember this, he scored 81 points on Toronto. What's up, Jalen Rose? He scored 81 points on the Toronto Raptors. And he did it at a time where the NBA is like they love to say in the old days, in my day, that wouldn't have happened. In my day, we wouldn't have allowed him. We'd have knocked him on his ass every time he came in the lane. There'd be no chance. He scored 81 on us. Shut up. You're the same league that gave up 100 to Will Chamberlain. You're the same league that gave up multiple 70-point games to Alex English and George Gervin. I don't want to hear your crap about Kobe scoring 81. Kobe would have scored 115 on you. So Kobe scores 81 on the Raptors. And... Had that been LeBron James, or had it been Dwayne Wade, or had it been even down to Allen Iverson, and he'd gone off and scored 81, everybody would have loved it. They would have lost it. Kobe scored 81 points, and people were legitimately asking, well, how many assists did he have? I bet he didn't have any assists. He didn't have any assists because he had 81 points. I always wished I was the point guard of the LA Lakers that particular evening when he went ham and scored 81. I'd have had 40 assists that game. I'd have been pumping those passes over to Kobe, yelling at him to shoot. I'd have set the NBA record for assists that night because all I would have done was just feed the friggin' Mamba. He scored 81 and people disliked him so much they were whining about, well, he didn't have any assists though. How many rebounds did he have? He scored 81 damn points. He could have 81 points, no assists, no rebounds, no steals. The Sunbitch scored 81 points. What am I supposed to do? Sit here and demand he get 15 assists to go with 81 points? The team was down 23 at one point in the game. They ended up winning the game by 20. I remember that game vividly. 
Kobe was an animal. He was a monster. And yes, he was a bastard. But I think in a way, that's what we really respected about him. So this guy's a bona fide first ballot Hall of Famer. There is no discussion about this. He's in the discussion. If it weren't for the fact that he played with the Los Angeles Lakers, there could be the argument made that he's the greatest player in the history of the franchise. But because he's a Laker, he might be the fifth or sixth best player in the franchise's history behind the likes of Magic and Jerry West and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Elgin Baylor. And it's like when I can name these players, George Mikan, if you're going to go back to Minnesota, for God's sakes. And then you get to Shaq and Kobe. I mean, I mean, it's Kobe, I freely, I was a big fan of his. I stopped buying basketball jerseys maybe 10 years ago, 9, 10 years ago. At one point, I had two Kobe jerseys because that dude reminded me so much of Jordan. And I know for the longest, the Jordan lovers just hated when you would dare to compare Kobe to Jordan, despite the fact that you could clearly see similarities in his game, even down to his cutthroat nature, because let's not act like Michael Jordan was the nicest guy to deal with either. Let's not act like Michael Jordan wasn't out here swinging on dudes like Steve Kerr in practice, okay? Kobe and Jordan had so much in common, and that's what made them such dynamic players. The only difference is Kobe was a much more polarizing figure. He was really disliked in the black community for a long time. Yeah, I'm going to lay it all out there. He was really disliked in the black community. And I never really understood it fully because this whole idea that he doesn't get enough assists is like you have a problem with Kobe Bryant because he's selfish and he's arrogant, but you ain't got no problem with Allen Iverson, who was just as selfish, just as arrogant, and might I add, a lot lazier than Kobe was. Oh, I can hear a bunch of you getting pissed off right now. I can hear a few of you wanting to thumb out a tweet to me defending Allen Iverson. Allen Iverson, don't get me wrong, deserves to be in the Hall of Fame for his pure numbers. Allen Iverson, incredible player, incredible scorer. And yes, he had some nights where he was unstoppable. He had those Kobe nights where he was unstoppable. Now, he didn't have 70 point, 80 point, 65 point night unstoppable like Kobe, but he had some unstoppable nights. But then again, Allen Iverson also had some nights where he disappeared. Allen Iverson had some times when you questioned his effort. There were times you questioned out whether Allen Iverson was really dedicated to doing this. I mean, it's revisionist history now because Philadelphia loves him again, but Philly wasn't exactly in love with him when he got shipped to Denver. And people, we can sit and laugh at the practice rant. Hell, J-Live and DJ Jazzy Jeff turned that rant into a very, very dope rap song. We're talking about practice. An awesome rap song. It's called Practice. Go look it up. It's on Return of the Magnificent Volume 2. Dope album, by the way. Allen Iverson, the practice rant for me initially was funny. I laughed at it. Hell, I still laugh at it right now. What are we talking about? Practice? Yes, we, we are talking about practice, Allen. And it was funny initially. But then when I actually put it into the context of what was going on at the time, it was completely asinine for him to sit there and complain about it. You just got knocked out of a playoff series, yet you're sitting there saying, how the hell am I going to make my team better by practicing? Really? Really, Allen? The one year he balled out was 2001. The one year he balled out, won the MVP, got the 76ers, the 76ers, to the NBA Finals. And yes, you can say whatever you want about the Eastern Conference that year. To get to the NBA Finals, I'll take it. The 76ers got to a final with Allen Iverson and Dikembe Mutombo. I think that was like Clarence Weatherspoon was on that team. That, that, was, that Sixer team was held together by duct tape. 
and they got to the finals, and they even won a first game. And there's the iconic picture of Allen Iverson disrespectfully stepping over Teron Liu, now the head coach of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Stepping over Teron Liu after he hit this big shot in game one and Philadelphia wins it and everybody's going crazy and that's the iconic moment for Allen Iverson. Nobody likes to bring up that the next four games, Kobe and Shaq went crazy and destroyed the 76ers. It's interesting being here in Philadelphia because, and we even addressed this when I covered the game back in December when Kobe was here that Kobe has an interesting relationship in Philadelphia. It's similar to the relationship Isaiah Thomas had or has in his hometown of Chicago, where Isaiah was a legend in Chicago, then went down University of Indiana, won a national championship, and then went to Detroit and turned the Pistons from some also-ran scrub team into multiple-time NBA champions. Yet in Chicago, it's all about Michael Jordan. It's a similar deal here. Kobe was born here in Philly, raised here in Philadelphia, starred at Lower Marion High School, yet everywhere he goes, it's Allen Iverson. Iverson is king of this city. There was a ridiculous column in the Philadelphia Inquirer last week that actually suggested that instead of Villanova getting a championship parade and celebration in Philadelphia, instead they should give that to Allen Iverson, who never won a championship. In fact, 2001 was the only time he got close. I know, sucks to bring it up, but let's just keep it real. Allen Iverson is every bit Carmelo Anthony that Kobe Bryant was Michael Jordan. Okay, let's just let's just keep it real. The Iverson fan's gonna be pissed off at me. Don't care. I think he was a damn good player. And yes, there is a little bit of residual bitterness about him ending up in a piston uniform. Because everybody likes to forget that level of Allen Iverson. By the time we got to that point in Iverson's career, he was washed up. We just didn't know how washed up he was until they put him in Chauncey Billups number one and sent him out there to play for the Detroit Pistons. Which, ironically, that was the last season they made the playoffs, and by the time they made the playoffs, he wasn't there. They had to send him home because he was so toxic in that locker room. Philadelphia loved them some Allen Iverson. And yeah, the crossovers and the and the arm sleeve and the tattoos and the cornrows and the just not giving a damn. Yeah, they love that about Allen Iverson. Allen Iverson had almost become like a Rocky-type mythical figure here in Philadelphia. In Los Angeles, Kobe Bryant is the real deal. And whether you like him or you don't like him, you gotta learn to love him. Because for 20 years, he was one of the best damn things going. Five NBA titles. This dude was a beast. Much respect to the Mamba. League ain't gonna be the same without you. Lord knows what this guy's gonna do next. Who knows, maybe he just disappears off for a while. Maybe he starts running businesses. Can't picture him coaching. He runs too hot. Couldn't picture him as a front office executive, but hell, who knows? All I know is this. I consider myself pretty damn lucky that at 36 years old, I've managed to see the just about the entire careers of Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, Isaiah Thomas, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Shaquille O'Neal, Hakeem Olajuwon, Tim Duncan, Dwayne Wade, LeBron James, yes, even Allen Iverson. Just because I don't care for the dude as a person doesn't mean I don't care for him as a player. I, I consider myself lucky, and this is a generation of basketball that we're not gonna soon forget. It's time for the new generation to step up, and that means the last of the dying breed, Kobe Bryant, will head off into the sunset. My name's Jay Scott Smith. I'm telling you to take care of yourself. God bless. Always dare to be different. Always have your pet spayed or neutered. Coming up next week in episode eight,
talking about concussions and football. We'll see you next week. Thanks for coming out. God bless you. Good night. Check it out. This is JSC Radio.